All right, so now we have part two of our Chocham uh, Avadia spectacular. Chacham um, Avadia. And as I, as I, as I, as I, um, the people you shoot would yell at you. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah. Believe me. Uh, I promised that I would uh, mention, of course, today is the earth site of Rachel Portnoy, Esther Rachel Portnoy, who was my grandmother. So I wanted, last week I spoke about my grandfather. This is my grandmother's earth site. Uh, and she was Beis Cheshven Tavshin Memhei. Thank you. I just want to say Esther Rochel, the two psukim here. And both of them really um, have relevant. They have. That was 1984, yeah. So that would be um, uh, 35, 35 years ago, right? 1984 is 35 years ago. That's what I said. Yeah. So uh, my grandmother uh, raised me. Uh, my mother was working, and my grandmother, I talked about my grandfather last week, but my grandmother was the one that was with the family. She raised my sister, Allah Shalom. She raised my brother and myself, my two brothers and myself. Um, she was the one that was always home, and she was the one who really dedicated herself to us. Uh, she never learned English properly, not really at all, and because she was hard of hearing, it was very difficult for her to pick it up. Yeah. And uh, but she, but 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 she was always there, um, waiting for me to get home. I mentioned this, I think, last year. Uh, she waited for me uh, every single day when I was uh, getting home from school, uh, making sure that I had uh, a warm uh, dish, a warm not warm milk. It used to be mostly kakletin, which of course is uh, a term of Russian Yiddish for hamburgers and other things that she would warm up for me and have ready for me. And uh, she would wait on the porch, wait for the bus, and she would accompany me into the house and take me to the breakfast room and place the warm food in front of me. And, and if I wanted the TV, she also said, maybe you, maybe you can take the little TV that we got, a small little television that we had, uh, uh, portable, and she says, maybe you want that. Always uh, attending to everything um, in many, many ways. When I was a very, very young child, she sang me to sleep with her lullabies. I mentioned that last year, um, the lullabies of becoming a Talmud Chacham. Um, and I think, whether I've achieved that or not, I think that, 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 that her song and her wishes were what it was that, that I heard from the youngest age. Um, she Before I went to yeshiva, she would give me a little bit of, of money that she earned as a as a metaheres, she had been. She was a woman who not only was the mikvah lady in Memphis, but also was also Leilenu the metaheres in the Chaver Kedisha. And um, I mentioned before her her hismasras to learning and the idea of being a from Jewish woman. And therefore, I have here these two psukim for my grandmother, Esther Rochel. I didn't even know really her name was Esther for many, many years, but she she was known as Rochel. But I think the pasuk about Esther applies to her. Antichochem Avadi, who we're talking about, Eich Noshir Eshir Hashem Al Admas Neichar. This is part of Al Nares Bovel, right? The, the our, our oppressors wanted us to sing. They wanted us to sort of like uh, give them a little bit of. Uh, uh, they wanted to get a little bit of uh, mirth out of watching us sing our songs when we were being oppressed by them. Um, and of course, how could we do that? How could we even, under under their forcefulness, sing the Shir Hashem Al Admas Neichar? Right. Yes, yes. That's what Chazal said. They, they told the Levim, "Here, here's your." Kinorot, here's your instruments, and the Levium, as you know, they, they crippled their thumbs, they shouldn't even be able to play the music. But I think in general, the, the idea is that we're not home. And I think my grandmother gave that idea to me. Not only just because she didn't speak English, but because she gave me a sense that, and again, think about it, I didn't, I didn't grow up in Borough Park, I didn't grow up in Muncie, I didn't grow up in Lakewood, I grew up in, in Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, I think my grandmother gave me this idea that, you know, you're, you're not home. There's something greater. There's something, whether it's Eretz Yisrael, it's, it's something different. You can't do the Shir Hashem Alad Masnecha. And that's because you realize there's a, there's a disjoint, you're disjointed. There's a dissonance uh, involved. The two things don't jive. 
And I think that my grandmother gave me not only a sense of Europe and what it meant, the real Jewish life, but specifically that that the Shir Hashem is something that's done in a different place. And here is a place to preserve and wait for a better future. And I think the Chacham Avadia in many ways was the same. Chacham Avadia felt that Eretz Yisrael demanded a different halachic mindset. That what happened to halacha outside of Eretz Yisrael, and Admas Neichar, whether it was in Iraq through the Ben Ishchai and by other Ashkenazi influences, he says, in Eretz Yisrael, the real Shir Hashem is going to be done, which is part of his halachic opus, was about creating the Torah of Eretz Yisrael, the Torah of the new Eretz Yisrael, the old and new Eretz Yisrael at the same time. Rachel, of course, and we've used this pasuk before when we've had, when we've dedicated the shir for people named Rachel. Rivcha rivis Sometimes you have to fight with your friend, or sometimes you fight alongside your friend. But even in those battles, so dacher al tigal. Don't get caught up in the heat of battle to start throwing schmutz about everything else that you know. Keep it centered about this issue. But don't start bringing in something about the guy's grandfather or about the cousin or about the wife or some other person. Yes, sometimes you have to be involved in, in debates and sometimes it has to be but it has to be done in a way that you respect the person. And you don't have to just uh, make it a, a free-for-all. And I think um, and again, I, I say this uh, because Chokham Avadi was a, uh, he wasn't afraid of a fight. <laughs> My grandmother, I can tell you, was you, you couldn't buy a word from her. She was extremely uh, still. Uh, she stood up for me in many ways and fought for me against my brothers who tried to uh, beat me up all the time. Uh, but Chokham uh, I believe, is also this pasuk, it rings true for him. Especially some of the early material of the in the um, in the seventies, um, he he and he did fight a very strong battle, but it wasn't a fight where he felt that we're just going to open the floodgates and and, and 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 expose you know this ugly underbelly of of, of what Jewish life could uh, could be. I think he was. I think he walked the line. He he said consistently that he's from Beis Hillel. That was one of his statements. I'm a Beis Hillel person. And I I don't deny that there's something wrong with the system, but I'm about the positive, the positivity. I'm not about just winning. I'm about creating something positive. And I think that I actually have one of the chuvas with me, which I'm going to talk about later, where he talks about why he decided to get involved in something that was unusual at the time, and I'm going to talk about that right now. Um, the 7th of Cheshvan, 5733, the changing of the guard. Chacham Avadia died on Gimel Cheshvan uh, six years ago, but there was another specific, significant thing that occurred on the 7th of Cheshvan, 1972, and that was a vote that occurred in Heichel Shlomo, and the vote was for... Uh, the annual five-year vote of who would be the Rabbi Roshi. And the votes didn't always occur five years to the, to the dot. Just like everything in Eretz Yisrael, there's a bureaucracy that a lot of times strangles any sort of exactitude. But officially, the post of Rabbi Roshi was supposed, was supposed to last five years. I didn't do enough research to know who exactly votes, but I do know that it changes throughout the history of the Medina, the, the number of people voting changed. In 19, I don't know how many it is today, I only did my research on that one, because that's where Chacham Avadi became Rabbi Roshi in 1972. Um, and there was 150 votes that was necessary, and he, and he actually did win his election. But he wasn't a, 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 a candidate until uh, Chalamoid Sukkot. 
He wasn't a candidate until less than about, you know, think about it, uh, the seventh of Cheshvan was the vote, so he only was a candidate a couple weeks beforehand. At the, the time of position, do you throw your hat in the ring? So, he, so, 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 again, the same way there had already been an official, it's, it's really strange, actually, let me just parenthetically say how what, what goes on in the political world ends up influencing even the rabbinic world. Um, that there were, it was, it was a new thing that there would be actually different parts of the Knesset, different uh, factions in the Knesset would, would have their representatives vote for the chief rabbi. And there was a block that they were supposed to vote in accordance with. The head of the Miflaga, the head of that political party would say, this is who we should be voting for. And Many of the the the, uh, the religious Zionists who were really the ones that were Mapai, Poe Agudas Yisrael, Mafdal, that's Dat Tzionit Lumit, they had already they felt that Rabbi Yitzchak Nisim, who had been the chief rabbi already for um, he had been the rabbi for close to twenty years, he had been the chief rov. Uh, should continue. Um, and Chacham <laughs> was called in to actually knock him out. And it's, it's, it, 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 and if you, why, why did that occur? The truth is, Chacham So, 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 the politicians, the political party had, I believe, Representatives that were part of the religious committee to do the voting. So, in other words, it was probably religious Jews, sort of, that were voting, but they were officially connected to a party that not wasn't necessarily religious. Um, for example, so it's like the Senate Arms Committee, so they had a, you know, a, a parliamentary rabbinical. Right, even though they weren't necessarily religious, because they felt that these these decisions that the chief rabbi would make wasn't just is the chicken kosher. They would also affect the whole country. So therefore, there was justification that everybody should have some sort of voice. Right. And, 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 and up until Chalamite Sukkot, it was, a, it was almost a slam dunk. Let me say it even better. Who was Ashkenazi chief rabbi? Uh, so it was Rav, Rav Unterman. Rav Unter, Rav Isra Yehuda Unterman. However, it seemed clear that he wasn't going to be the next chief rabbi. The reason really would push Chochem Avadia in a place where they were surprised. Because he had been... The, at this point, what was Chochem Avadia in 1972? He was the chief rabbi of Tel Aviv, which was still, in many ways, the big city. Besides the fact that Yishalayim maybe could match it in terms of numbers... But in terms of connections in an official way, the chief rabbi of Tel Aviv was something. Now, in fact, he had only been the chief rabbi of Tel Aviv for four years. His year was going to come to an end anyway, and, and he could have been, of course, reinstated or revoted in. But it seems clear to me that even though Chocham Avadia, when, when, he, when, he, when he writes about it in his tshuva, he says, well, I, I didn't want it become a candidate. I was happy in Tel Aviv what I was doing. Now, he, he was a Yerushalmi. He came to Yerushalayim when he was four years old. He was, he was born in, he was basically not born there, but he was bred in Yerushalayim in the schools. In fact, he had been uh, uh, a well-known commodity in Yerushalayim. He spent a number of years in, in Cairo. I talked about that in the previous year. But basically, he was this Eli Wunder, Wunderkind, who was a, a, basically a Yerushalmi person. Um, and not only was he just, quote unquote, you know, among the Sephardim, when he returned in, when he was about 30, returned from Cairo, there, uh, people knew about him. In fact, he, people knew about his brilliance. Uh, and, and he'd already published a number of, of, of small. Uh, booklets and Sfarim that had shown his incredible breadth and knowledge, but there was a movement to, uh, to he thought he was going to be drafted in about 1950 or so, and he became part of Rav Tzvi Pesach Frank's koil. Rav Tzvi Pesach Frank was the Rav of Yerushalayim, 
uh, till his death in 1962, or 61 or 62. How did he become the rabbi of one of the cities? Okay, so he was, the Rabbanut agreed for him to be the Rabbanut, the official, uh, he was, Rabbi Frank was an unusual, we could talk about him in a different year, but he was actually someone, unlike Rav Kook, who was also the Rav of Yerushalayim, but not accepted by the Haredim. Rav Tzibazat Frank was the official Rav of the city in terms of the Rabbanut, but also by the whole Haredi community, they recognized. He might not have been Posik number one, but everybody understood that he was the Rav of the city, Rav Frank. Rav Frank not only served as Rav of the city, but he made sure that there was a place, and this was going on back in 1950, that, that the best and the brightest could learn. And who used to learn there? Rav Shlomo Zalman Orebach, Rav Bashal Zolti. The biggest names who became Rabbonim and Dayonim were learning in Rav Tzvi Pesach Frank's kolil. Where you got the money from, probably was helped raised by the government, and it was to produce the next leaders. Chacham joined them. He was a tad younger, but according to his son, Rabbi Yitzchak, who was, of course, prejudiced, Chacham Avadi was almost, almost like an incredible superstar there. Why was he such a superstar? Because he knew, when he would hear the arguments that Orebach and Jolti and others would, would say, he would say, oh, that svar is found in this safer, that svar is found in that safer, and he would actually put everything in perspective. He had something which even these great, thinking, sharp-minded, incredible men didn't have which was even at a young age, in his 20s and 30s, almost total recall and encyclopedic knowledge of where everything was. So he was already a well-known star. In fact, um, he, his shiurim were extremely popular because he was unstoppable. When he started to talk, first of all, he was very sharply articulate. I mentioned last week Nebuchadnezzar Shmulevitz and his lack of being able to articulate properly. Chochem Avadya never had that problem. When he spoke, his diction was very precise, and he, he didn't speak like sometimes uh, Israelis have a tendency to actually turn, turn high speed on and start talking at 60 miles an hour. And that's not just for us, because we don't speak Hebrew uh, as natural Hebrew speakers. He spoke in a firm, unstuttering, unwavering, but a very decent pace. And people were uh, impressed, and people enjoyed hearing from him. They didn't feel overwhelmed, but they came away super impressed. It happened that once that he was giving a shear on, uh, on, on Friday night, and uh, the generator or the electricity went out, where he was giving the shear to his to the Talmidim. And next door, um, the Ger Rebbe was there. The Rebbe Yisrael Alter, the Rebbe of Ger. Or as the as the Sephardim would say, Rebbe Migor. Right? The, the, the Ger Rebbe. So the, the Beis Yisrael, as he's known. So the Beis Yisrael heard that the lights went out. He made sure that he, the Chocham Avadi was brought in, and he came into the main base Medrash of Ger. He says, of course you're going to give your shear here. And from that time on, Chokham Avadia was sort of a favorite among not only these, by the Chassidim, by the Ashkenazim, by the Poskim. So he was actually a very well, well-known commodity. And um, again, without getting into his biography, my point was that he had already been quite well-known. There was already whisperings in 1960 that he could maybe become the next chief rabbi. He would have only have been... 40, which would have been young, but there was already people that were not happy with Rav Nisim. Rav Nisim people were not happy with him after his first uh, yeah, around. People thought Rav Nisim was sort of like, he acted like a sort of a businessman, and uh, again, I, it's hard for me to say. I can only tell you that he alienated a lot of the, uh, the Sephardim. People felt that he was farkoyft in Yiddish to the Ashkenazi power base. And even though he wore the turban and he wore the, 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 the frock with the colorings, that he really, he really didn't, he really didn't represent the Sephardic world. Now there's a, a, actually an interesting letter here that I uncovered 
1962, um, Obavitcher Rebbe, let's see if I have it. Um, let's see, Obavitcher. Um, let's see. Um, I thought I had the the Babich Rebbe had actually um, been asked by the uh, Sephardic community to allow uh, a new candidate, a new Sephardic Rov candidate. Um, and let me see if I can find it. It's a very interesting letter because he says I don't even have to deal with this. In other words, they. Oh, so. A, a, a whole group of Sephardim felt that. Let me see. Let's see if I can find this. I knew. I, I always send myself everything so I can find it. As you know, um, I always try to find myself on. Um, yeah, I guess I don't have it here. I'm sorry, I don't have it here, but I thought I did. Um, basically, they wanted. Um, Revenue see him out, and they said you've got a lot of, you've got a lot of um, influence even among Sfardim and Eretz Yisrael. And he says, I'm not even going to deal with this. He says, you cannot get a rabbi out if the rabbi hasn't done anything wrong. Just because you don't like him, you don't like the way he acts, but you don't have him on any uh, real thing. You you can't be more or of. And in fact, the, what you can't. In fact, the the truth was. Until 1972, until that day that we've been talking about, seventh of Cheshvan, they had never ousted another rabbi. There had been other candidates, because officially there could be, but there was always the attitude among the Rabbanim that a person's a rov, he's a rov. Right? There was a famous true of Chassam Sefer. It's not really a rov, because it's an appointed position. You're not passing each other. But you do. You do. You, right? Right. And, and it's a position. Okay, good, good point. But it was a pay, it's a paid position. Officially, he was considered like the Nasi of the Bezdin. In other words, when you get this position, you officially become the president of the Bezdin. The Samsefer Psak, and again, I know this as a rabbi who was in this position, all the way. I didn't use this some cipher, but as a dayan, I used it when we paskin for people. Some cipher says even if the rabbi's contract says for a certain number of years, that's only to protect the rabbi. That if the rabbi, uh, uh, I'm sorry, that's that 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 is only that it should be if the rabbi needs to leave that we see that he's called a poel and he's able to be choser, but it's not. You can never use it against the rabbi to say your years are up. Even if you only write three years, the Chassam Sefer says, halacha, that uh, the Rav stays. I'll read you the Lashon of Chassam Sefer. Um, he says that, mm-hmm. They usually say it's for three years. That's a minig Yisrael That if he wants to leave after three years, he can because a poil can be choser. But, but he says, He says, to take someone away from a job, this is some safer writing, whoever heard, you're taking a rab from some place, and he moved his whole family, with his family. And then after three years, you'll see, that shuvah that some sefer wrote is well known by by many rabbonim, and this is what they use in their contract negotiations, and it's been very much brought down and accepted. It's not some weird opinion. So the Lubavitcher Rebbe responded. He says, well, "You can't just get rid of Reb Nisim. <laughs> you don't like him, okay? But I'm not even going to get involved. I wish you, you should. He says the shulchanor. That's already the psak. You cannot get a, you cannot get, get rid of Rav Nisi. So he's looking at the chief rabbi position like the Roman Right, and just as you can't be moirid, Rav Moshe, by the way, said something very similar about teachers. 
Rav Moshe said that if a teacher is hired, even though the, the contract, whatever the contract is, you can't get rid of a teacher either unless you find something very specific that he's not doing his job. He came back, I just don't like the guy and we have somebody better. Um, what? Right. I was thinking if that's the origin of tenuring. Yeah, well, the point is, is that there, it had not been done. So what happened, other than the Sephardim being unhappy with Rav Nisim's approach, they felt that he was a toady to the Ashkenazim. They felt that he did not deal with people, with the with the Sephardic world the way he should. Though Baba Trebbe already, like I said, tried to put an end to it. And they, and they voted him in again. Supposedly, Rav Nisim said to Chocham Avadi, look, I know you're a superstar. You're a rising star. You wrote a safer in 1955. Have it here. Yabia Oymer won the Rav Cook Prize. Nobody had ever seen anything like this. No one had ever seen a safer written by a 34 year old, a 35 year old, that was not just, oh, it's not bad. <laughs> wow. It was like every single possible sheet. And look, look how many pages he has. And he's got everything down encyclopedically there. Wow. Even someone like Rebel Yoshev. <laughs> I was not easily impressed. You see what, what Rabbi Yoshev wrote when he um, when he got a hold of Chokham Avadi Sefer. I just saw an article on the news: the renaming Har Milk neighborhood. And we, oh, yes, 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 yes. yes. Really? Here's Rabbi Yashiv wow. in here's Rabbi Yashiv in nineteen. We were just talking about it before Adam. Oh, we talked about okay. it before before the class, Sorry, but that's man. it. No, no, it's fine. No, that's that. So here's 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 the letter. Here's the letter. Um, the Sefer came out, and of course, oh, 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 Rabbi Yoshev, busy in the Besden, but he did get a time to look at the Sefer. And he said that, um, um, he says, I want to, I want to thank you for the Sefer. Yeah, I've heard about how great you are. But then I saw the Sefer. It's so brilliant, it's so much expertise, and it's explained in such logical, great ways. You should be Yizke. Again, this Baruch definitely occurred. Just like you wanted. He says, you know, I really would love to speak with you about the Chidushim. I'm busy and must have been in the Bezdin because this was at the height of Rebel Yashiv's role in the Bezdin in Yerushalayim. But he says, I'll tell you what, because you sent me the Sefer, there's a little point I want to make since it's about to be, um, it's right after Yom Kippur and I'm thinking about Yom Neroyim. So he writes to him a tshuva where he, dis- a, 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 where he disagreed with Chochem Avadi's Psak about whether you should, uh, um, whether you should be Mizvada during the Tkios. Even though it's printed in many of the machzorim to to do vidui, Chacham Avadya felt that that was a shita that was non halachic, despite the fact that it was said in the name of the Arizal and others. Chacham Avadya says we're going with the Beit Yosef, and that was what he wrote in 1955 when he wrote the when he when he wrote the tshuva 54 55. Rabbi Yoshev disagrees. Rabbi Yoshev has his points. I don't want to get into it. So it would be a nice year for next year. But the point is, this is where my first zeroing in and there encountering each other was here. Sounds like he never met him, although he'd seen him, maybe they'd seen each other, and it took Chocham Avadya two years to respond to this letter. I don't know why. And when when Rebel Yoshev did respond, when he got the letter back, he said, look, I'll tell you, it's been about almost three years since I, since I saw the Sefer and when I wrote you the letter, but I, it's hard for I don't have a copy of what I wrote you originally. Baruch Hashem, we found it. But he says, so I, I guess I'll respond to you. So this is the beginnings of their connection. In 1960, he was not in the Bezdin Chacham Avadya, and he wanted to become the chief rabbi. I'm pretty sure that's true. Because Rav Nisim says, don't worry, eventually you'll sit on my chair, but not yet. That's what he told him in 1960. And Chokham Avadya, even though he, he used to come to his house and he used to speak with him, they had a relationship of sorts. Um, in 1964, Chokham Avadya felt, and again, he knew how brilliant he was. He knew that he was something special. Chokham Avadya used some influence to become part of the Bezdin of Yerushalayim. And eventually, 
uh, he be- he actually became Rebel Yosef, one of Rebel Yosef's partners, sitting on the highest bezin, not just being a rov, but sitting on, on the highest level, the court of appeals, so to speak, the bezin So that was the state. That was the state of things in ni- that was already the way things were in 1968. In 1968, decides to move from Yerushalayim to be to to put himself in candidacy for the Rabbonus of Tel Aviv. Why did he do that? Well, he did that because this was a stepping stone to the chief rabbinate. It gave you an official office which he, in Tel Aviv, which he had, and he worked hard. He was not a just I'm just pushing time. It wasn't like oh, you know Obama becoming a state senator and then senator in Illinois, but already planning you know his his presidential bid as the first African American candidate. That's not the way Chochem Avadi acted. Did he have the chief rabbi in his sights? Yes, I, I can say that. Despite what he writes, it was definitely in his sights. Otherwise, his his becoming chief rabbi in Tel Aviv made no sense. He was he was already a a a phenom in Yerushalayim, and his kids. He had eleven children. They were right now. There was a benefit of being chief rabbi of Tel Aviv. He had a much bigger apartment. He had an official government apartment that the kids didn't have to, the 11 kids didn't have to sleep all in one room. He had an official chauffeur who took his, who took him around in a car. He had a lot of, of, of perk. He had a lot of perks by being the Rav in Tel Aviv. But despite what he writes, I do not believe that it was a super surprise that he should be called on. Okay, so he's he's ready. Why did they? Why? What officially though pushes him in? What pushes him in is the Langers. As I've said before, basically what happened was was um, I get her name right. Sora, I believe her name was. Um, uh, she had been married. This, uh, she was a woman was appealing um, for her uh, on, on her third marriage. Her third marriage. Her first marriage was in the thirties, the late twenties and thirties, to a, non, a person who was born a non-Jew, um, Bavarsky, um, a Pole, and the family was shocked that he uh, was involved with their daughter. Um, they, uh, even though supposedly they had a church service, this came out years later, they did arrange a, 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 a gerus in a bezden somewhere in Poland and a chuppah in Kedushin. And this couple lived sort of like in between the two worlds of Judaism and non-Judaism. When they saw what was happening in Europe, there was already a sense they're going to leave Europe, and they went there to Israel in the 30s. Uh, and it was there that they actually, it was there that uh, they lived for a while. This Sora lived with Bavorsky. Um, Bavorsky um, and her split up. She met a, she met a, um, a, a soldier. A, a Jewish British soldier. She met a Jewish British soldier in the forties who was stationed in Israel. His name was Otto Langer, Jewish man, and she seemed to be unattached. And they actually they had a wedding that was actually that was that was um, conducted under official rabbinic sanction. But she had never gotten. She had never received a get from this man that she had lived with. Not only did she not receive it, then afterwards they proceeded to have two kids. The two kids were Hanoch and Miriam. With the second one. The second one. Now, um, when uh, Langer died as well, she didn't have much luck, Langer died, and Bavorsky wanted to remarry now, when Bavorsky wanted to remarry, and I think it was also Sara wanted to remarry as well, and there was already uh, the official Medina was there, they discovered, what's going on over here? He, who were you married to before? And he said, I was married to this Sara woman. 
uh-huh. And then they, you were married to Sarah Woman, but you never got a divorce from her. So then they went back and they realized that the Langer kids, she wants to remarry? Honey, you're not, again, first of all, um, you, you need a divorce from Bavorsky before you can remarry, before you can get married. And the other thing is, your kids are Mom's Aaron. And this was a psaac that was issued in about 1955 that uh, the Langer children, it was very, they looked into it. It wasn't done with a snap of the fingers. There was Tel Aviv, there was Pesach Tikva, there were a number of smaller din that got involved. She tried to appeal the psaac. It was dealt with by, Rebel Yoshev wasn't she yet. Did not know or didn't care? So her lawyers, her towing Taina that it was not a true marriage that she had to Bavorsky. Her Shetaina was that they that they, she definitely had lived with him and they came there to Israel, but they were never really married. How does that help Mamzer? Because he was a guy. Because he was a guy. So therefore, so, the, so her children were from Ado. Her children's father was Jewish. And she was Jewish. Whatever she had done with, with, with Bavorsky, even though, and she said, my parents forced a conversion that wasn't a real conversion, and the marriage was not a real marriage either. So this was part of, Kabbalah uh, Mitzvah became a crucial part here. Was it, a, was, it a, was it a true gayrus that was just being forced on Bavorsky? Did he ever live like a Jew? Did he ever accept the mitzvahs? Did he ever live like a Jew together? How did they live when they came to Israel? How did they live in Poland? So they tried to get, and again, the Dayanim did research. They did the gumshoe work to try to find out. I can't tell you every single prat, but they were. You can read the psakim. The psakim are laced with, 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 with sense of regret and, and pain over what they had to say. But they said we cannot allow these children. As far as we're concerned, Bavorsky wasn't a religious Jew, but he was not irreligious. And, and in fact, as as as, as Rebel Yoshev later put it, that's how I'll put it. He lived according to what was considered in his area standard Jewish behavior. True, there was a, quite an amount of illiteracy going on there, but based on where he was, this is what being Jewish meant. Now, the Langer kids had this mark of Mamzerus on them uh, from 1955 on. But now, in the 60s, they enlisted in, in the army. And I'm not sure if they were standouts, but they petitioned Moshe Dayan to actually be allowed to, to change their status because they wanted, they met, who knows who they met in the army. Both of them had boyfriends and girlfriends, right? And, and they wanted to get remarried, they wanted to marry. And in uh, Halacha and in the Medina, they weren't able to because marriages were still completely under the control of, of, of Halacha. And Halacha said these two cannot marry a Jew. And now, at this point, um, Rab Shlomo Gorin comes into the picture. Rab Shlomo Gorin was Moshe Dayan said he's going to do what he. Moshe Dayan felt that this was an imperative, and in fact, the newspapers already had gotten hold of this. The Nebuch, you have these two patriotic people, and 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 it's the Rabbonim. In these, you know, in their in their in their closed mindedness, and there there's a way. Gorin felt that he could do it, right? But Gorin said the problem was that in 1970, Rebel Yoshev, Avadia, and later one of the sort of like one of the more right wing. Uh, and a very chosh of a posek, but you consider him more from the, the Mizrahi element, Rav Shol Yisraeli, they paskined, with little differences, but basically the same, that we couldn't allow these kids, and we have to treat them as mamzeim. That was a psak in 1970. By that time, Chochem Avadia already was sitting on the bezin and was the chief rabbi of Tel Aviv, but he would come into Yerushalayim to sit for Dine Torah. Gorin said, in order for me to overturn this, he says, I can, I can only do, I'm very limited in my capacity as Dayan of the army. But what I could do is become chief rabbi, and as chief rabbi, then I'm going to be able to 
convene a, to, to convene a bezdin, and we're going to be able to overturn the psak. Because as the official nasi, the head of the bezdin, I can even overturn what Rebel Yashiv and company had done. So Dayan. How many people in the bezdin? One person can. Uh, so, so, <laughs> so, right, right, right. So, Gorin, who was not a youngster, Gorin had made a lot of uh, headlines. Not only as the chief, uh, he was a general. He was the chief uh, chaplain, but he had a title as general. He was aluf. He wasn't just you know uh, uh, a guy with stripes. He had the stars. He, right? he wasn't a general guy with stripes. He was a general guy. With yes, yes. And and he, he and people knew him. People. He was the one that he's the one who blew. He's the one that blew chauffeur at the coast. The coast. So he was in fact the hero of of the sixty seven war. That there was a wave. They were still riding. This is before the Imkip War. We were still riding this wave. Gorin was a hero even in the secular world. Gorin appeared. Didn't have a television himself, but he appeared on television regularly as a speaker. Gor, of Gorin, who had learned in Hebron and also won a prize. I have it here. This is the Sefer he won the prize for. This is Chacham Avadi's prize Sefer. This is Rav Gorin's Sefer that was meant to be a beer on the Yerushalmi, starting with Brochus. And it is brilliant. I can tell you it's incredible. He really makes the Yerushalmi come alive with brilliance and understanding of Brochus and with sources. He put the whole thing together, Rav Gorin. <laughs> This is incredible work. You know, you can see that. What? Yes, he's incredible, incredible head. He was considered an Eliotsim. He was he sat at the next bed with Charles Jolti and Shlomo Gorin Garnachovsky, which what his name was, they were the two Iluyim of Hebron, right? The Rabbi Charles Jolti and Shlomo Gorin, the two Iluyim of Hebron together. Rabbi Shaul Jolti, of course, uh, ends up you're gonna see how. But at this point but the picture you're painting is that he was more interested in politics than the halacha. Right. That is unfortunately what seems to have caught him at this point. It's hard not to get cut off with it. It's hard not to to once you, again he's 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 in the I don't know how many years he was officially part of the tzava, but he'd already and he'd been used to ordering people around. He'd already been he'd already allowed certain gayrim, he'd already done gayrus as part of the bezdin of the tzava. So he felt, in fact, he wrote, it's a document that only a hundred copies exist, of what he's going to base his psaac on. How he already, looking at the, looking, he was able to get access to the documents of the Langer case, and he already had a derach. And his derach basically was to go back, prove that it was never a gerus in the first place, and use all the halachas to show that. The only thing he needed to worry about was was it considered a zilzul in the previous Bezdin? Because once a, you know, there's, there's halachos about overturning a psak, especially it wasn't just a psak from some local Pesach Tikva Bezdin. It was the psak of the Bezdin Agado. It was the highest psak in the country. So he had to work with, there's exceptions if they were missing information. There's differences between overturning your logic then overturn the fact that you didn't know certain things. So what Gorin did was he presented new information that Rebel Yoshev and Chocham Avad, and Shal Yisraeli never had, and none of the Dayanim ever had, based on, I don't know where he got the research done, but that would show that they, therefore, their psak was based on incorrect incorrect knowledge of what was going on rather than the analysis of the situation. So these were the, the elements that Rebel Gorin was going to use. But he needed to have the crown. And therefore, even though Rav Unterman, who had very good relations with the Haredi world, Rav Unterman heard the footsteps and knew that there was a movement already all the way from the top. And Golda Meir was behind it. Golda, Moshe, and all that were behind it that Gorin should be the new chief rabbi. And precedent be damned. The fact was that there's never been a chief rabbi that had been ousted. There had been official phony type of elections, but the Chassam Seifer's halacha always, and the Babach Rebbe backed it up as well. The old Rav is going to be the Rav as long as he wants to until he dies. It was going to change. And Gorin was going to be inserted. It was then 
that Chacham Avadja received a phone call. Was Goran going to be the Ashkenazi chief rabbi? And Nisim was already farkoif to the to, to whatever uh, was already bought. So what they were afraid was, and even Rav Unterman, Rav Unterman was hoping perhaps he could survive, because he says, and Rav Unterman sent a letter to Chacham Avadia, as did, it's a question who was it was, it was either, either Rebel Yashiv or one of the other Dayanim, also sent a letter to Chacham Avadia and said, you've got to be the candidate. First of all, you give us a chance, perhaps, that it's not going to be Nisim. And, it's, and, 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 and I might have it, Rav Unterman says, maybe I could remain. But even if I don't remain, you'll be there to be, to stop Gorin. Nisim isn't. Rav Nisim is going to allow it, and it's not just the Langers. It's going to be a, whatever the Medina wants. Up until this point, the chief Rav, maybe he wasn't the, the didn't paskan on everything, but he wasn't just going to paskan based on what the government wanted. Who knows? The floodgates why, why would... Because there was a lot of popular, there was a popular sense that 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 the, that the rabbis had been um, obscurantists and they weren't allowing this couple, they weren't allowing this 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 wonderful family uh, to have their life the way they should. And therefore, um, the, the the perfect candidate for them was the one who anyway had his sights on it, who was the chief rabbi in Tel Aviv, who actually had worked with Gorin together in Tel Aviv. Because guess what? Gorin was the chief rabbi, Ashkenazi chief rabbi in Tel Aviv. He was the head of the army. He was the chief rabbi, but he also was elected in Tel Aviv as well. In Tel Aviv itself... Up until 1972, Gorin and Chochem and, and, and had a pretty decent relationship. There's a beautiful description about life in, in those offices in Tel Aviv where Chochem had become the chief of Kashrus. Uh, Kashrus was, was worse than the Wild West in, in Eretz Yisrael. It was, and it still is, it, it still is, it still is incredibly corrupt, unfortunately. Complex. But in, but but when Chacham Avadi became the chief rabbi in Tel Aviv, the Hsheir, it was like <coughs> there was officially a Rav Amachshir, but the Mashkichim weren't coming in. Nothing was going on basically, and people would come to the hotels, and there was no question that that they were not being served a kosher food, and the hotels would be working on Shabbos. They would be cooking the stuff on Shabbos. So Chacham Avadi worked very hard and went to the hoteliers of Tel Aviv, and he said, I'm going to make it better for you. You don't have to be Machal Shabbos. I'm going to give you a whole bunch of weeks of simchas that you didn't have up until now. And he worked to change the psaq, because up until Chacham Avadi, I mentioned this last year, if you remember, Chacham Avadi changed the psaq that, that you had to not have chasanas during the three weeks. He said, any the Sephardim are going to be able to have chasanas, Till the nine days start, I'm going to give you two weeks of work that you didn't have otherwise. But he, he worked very hard in the Kashrus area. And people would come to, to, the, to the offices in, to ask Gorin questions as well in Kashrus. And Gorin would give them these long-winded answers based on the sugi. He would open up the Gemara and whatever. Chachamavadi would, would be down the road, down the, you know, down the aisle in the hallway, and Goran would say, uh, can you explain it to them? And Chacham Avadiyah would, would give them the simple psaq based on Shulchan Aruch. So Goran knew that Chacham Avadiyah had strengths and practical halacha that was not his forte. He wasn't a dayan like Chacham Avadiyah had been for almost nine years. He didn't have his... He was definitely brilliant in terms of looking, right? But again, you look at these two sparring together, you can compare Goran might come up with ideas that Chacham Avadia never dreamt of. But part of the reason he never dreamt of them is because he was completely focused on the path of this posik, this halacha, following the path, the encyclopedic path of halacha lamaisa, as opposed to Goran, who was like standing back and looking at something completely out of the box. Well... Uh, Gorin thought that he could work with Rav Gorin thought that he could work with Chacham Avadi, but Chacham Avadi was placed there to be the anti-Gorin to maybe to, 
to definitely maybe save Rav Unterman and not. So, on the 7th of Cheshvan, Chocham Avadya, and Chocham Avadya told people, you know, people said, who is he? Where is he coming from? He's not a, he doesn't know this, he doesn't know this game like others know it. But he was, uh, uh, within a couple of weeks, they did whatever they could. Teddy Kolak was part of the, uh, the people who wanted to vote for Chocham Avadya. Uh, other, one of the mayor of Haifa, they broke rank with the, from the politicians, from the other political groups who said that you have to push. Yigal Alon, who was, uh, who was second to Moshe Dayan, actually didn't like Dayan and wanted to undercut him. So Yigal Alon uh, came to Golda Meir and said, there's a reason why you want Yosef, this guy, this, this younger Svardik. He says, why? Nisim is great. He does whatever he wants. No, no. There's one area that you're going to want him. Because you'll see, this, he is willing to paskin and for, on the seat that you could return land for peace. One of Chacham Avadi's psokim that came out after the Six Day War was that you could return. One of the reasons why Rav Cook's son, Rav Tzvi Yehuda Cook, was paskening, was, was pushing for uh, Nisim, was because he understood that they would not give back anything that was Eretz Yisrael. And Chacham Avadya, for throughout his life, felt that he didn't believe in that shita. He felt that that you are allowed, for the sake of peace, to give back even parts of Eretz Yisrael. So Yigal alone says, you're going to need this Yosef guy, because I don't think Nassim will, will cave in on that. But he said, we're already, Golda Meir said, we're already sworn to, uh, to, to we're going to vote. I told my people to vote. He says, you know what? You don't show up tomorrow. Send one of your underlings over there. There's already a break in the ranks. So Chacham Avadya was able, was able to sort of siphon a lot of votes. Um, it's interesting also, we had, of course, Rabbi Grossman who came and spoke here. He was very young at that, that time. He had just become, he just got involved with Migdal Amik. He was close to a lot of the mayors in a lot of those towns because people loved him. He became one of Avadi Yosef's main lieutenants, pushing that people should, the Chokham Avadi should become the chief rabbi. The Kachavi. So when the, it came into Echol Shlomo, and um, it's, it looked like it was closed for a while. Ultimately, who voted? 150 delegates. So Chokham Avadi, I think, won, it was 81 to 69. Not it, it was pretty close. At one time it was tied. At one time on uh, Rebbe Sim's votes, and there was a lot of discussion about who should stand there and watch when the votes were being counted. They had to do a recount. It was a very, very, it was very complex. Chokham Avadia ended up. I should tell you one last thing though. Chokham um, Avadia said he's a Beis Hillelik. He told people, "I am here to bring Shalom. I want to make Torah understandable. I want to bring back the greatness of Torah." But I also don't want to force Torah on anyone. I want people to see how great it is so we can explain it and people can understand it and come to love it and appreciate it, which I think he very much accomplished. He sent a, uh, 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 he sent a, his son to Rav Nisim. And he said to Rav Nisim, look, this doesn't have to happen. I will, we can split the title. You will be the Rishon with Zion for life. And I'll do the practical stuff that's, that's called for. But you, but, but in all the letterheads, it'll say, you're the Rishon with Zion, and I happen to be Rav Aroshi with Adat Asfarda, but you're the Rishon with Zion. And that, I won't take away from you until, uh, until you don't want it. So supposedly he uh, and he sent actually it was either a son or of Mordechai Elihu, who was a, a big who was also not in the Olamis now, but supposedly he said, "Look, I think I'm going to win." So Rabbi <laughs> said, "So Rabbi said it's a nice pshara," but he says, "You know, but it didn't have to happen that way." 
It could have happened that there might have been a way. Suppose the Reb Nisim was very, very, very distraught and hurt by it. What's interesting is is that 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 Rav Gorin immediately, a couple of weeks after he became chief rabbi, immediately convened a bezdin, and the bezdin was of nine rabbanim, and they were matir the langers. He originally, after he became chief rabbi, again asked Chacham Avad. Chacham says, "Look, he says it's wrong for me to be involved. He says I was the rov that that asked them. What he did was, he took nine rabban, nine dayanim, and he refused to say who they were. He says there's so much. Goran said there's so much political anger against." What's going on? I, but these are all Chashavadayonim, Rabbanim, but I don't want to say their names. But they have already agreed, and he says, I don't have to. And he proved it from a Gemara in Sanhedrin, where the Gemara says that once you give a psak, you don't speak about later who said what. Because that's considered with Selech Rachel, to tell what he passed and what he said. So therefore, he says, You can believe me, I'm the Nasi, I convened it. And he wrote this, he, he had published this Sefer in the beginning of 1973, which came out as uh, it's a, almost 200 pages, the Psak Din of the Brother and Sister, which proved his case. Including, by the way, he quotes Rabbi Yoshev's original uh, Psak, uh, and uh, as I said, um, Barkovsky. I said Bavorsky, I remember Barkovsky. <laughs> okay, to change that on the uh, on the audio, Barkovsky. So um, um, the point being is that um, there there was a very cold and terrible tension between Chacham Avadia and Rav Gorin from that point on. Um, Gorin had a bigger office in Hechel Shlomo than 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 the, than the chief than 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 the Chacham Avadia. Chacham Avadia supposedly, and again, it's based on a book that I bought a number of years ago. It's called it's it's, it's the life, the learning, and the political movement of of Chacham Avadia called Ben Parat Yosef. He bases it on newspaper reports and other re- reportage. You would have to check those newspapers. Supposedly, what Chacham Avadia said was, Rav Gorin thinks he's a general who's used to giving orders, and he thinks he's going to get things his way, the way he's always gotten them. But I'm not. I'm not playing. Number, I'm not playing second fiddle to him. He says this isn't. He says I'm willing to work together. He says, in fact, I've made approaches of shalom with him that we can work together. We have worked together, but he isn't willing to. It's got to be his way. And because of that, I believe, and this is really the point of this whole story, this changing of the guard changed Chacham Avadi as well. It really turned him into a powerful instrument for a different hashkafa of what being a of being a Sephardi rov was. And I think what he gained through the Langer case, because otherwise he wouldn't have had the the shoulders to have that position, the shoulders, Ashkenazi shoulders, put him in, Hasidish shoulders, Rav Yashiv shoulders. They, that's what put him in there. Of course, it's because he was brilliant, because he was an incredible speaker, but he wouldn't have gotten in otherwise. The threat of the Langers overturning the case, which of course happened anyway, is what put Chacham Avadi in that seat. Once he had that seat, though, from 82, I'm sorry, from from 70, uh, that he had it from 72 uh, to 82, to 83, he changed the whole face of Jewish life in Eretz Yisrael. Because, but which changed Jewish life. Because basically what happened was that the Sephardim not only saw a great leader in him, but he was able to reach out to the, right, right, it, 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 those people that were following the Lubavitcher Rebbe didn't follow the Lubavitcher Rebbe anymore. Lubavitcher Rebbe had also been this great uh, charismatic figure for many Sephardim. Chacham Avadia became that. And Chacham Avadia, because of the acceptance of his Pesachim, because of the way he acted, because of his insistence of never being number two, of actually pushing for it, gave a tremendous sense of the pride 
to Sephardic Jewish life and made them an independent block. For years, Chacham Avadi had voted with Aguda, and he told the Sephar- he told people that were close to him, "I know these people; they're my friends. They're this. We're all part of the same Torah world." In those ten years of him becoming the chief rabbi, he decided, you know what, we need something different. There's been too much Ashkenazi influence in so many halachic ways, but it's also in many cultural ways. And because of that, Chacham Avadia pushed for the formation of Shas. And that, of course, meant a whole new dynamic. So I think the seventh of Cheshvan, which is coming up, Along with, of course, is almost this, one of the most crucial dates of Chacham Avadi's life. So I gave you a little bit of a background of it. Both he and my grandmother should both be Melitza Yosha for us as we advance this next period. Thank you. Along with, of course, is almost this, one of the most crucial dates of Chacham Avadi's life. So I gave you a little bit of a background of it. Both he and my grandmother should both be Melitza Yosha for us as we advance this next period. Thank you.